Hi, and welcome to the Bookish Besties podcast. We're excited you're here with us to talk all things books and reading. We are two friends brought together by our love of reading. I'm Diane and adore my beach life in Charleston, South Carolina with my family and dogs. Reading has been a pleasure my whole life. I read to travel when I cannot leave home, to escape when life gets to be too much, to learn even when I'm not in school anymore, and to make new friends on the pages of stories and by talking to those who share my passion. And I'm Mary, a northerner living in the frozen tundra of Madison, Wisconsin. I've been an avid reader for as long as I can remember and make a point to read every day while still balancing the challenges of work and life. My ideal is to be curled up by the fire with the dog on my lap, a glass of wine on the end table, and a good book in my hands. We would be most grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thank you so much and happy reading. Hello, today we are interviewing Christy Whitson Harvey, the best-selling author of six novels, including The Southern Side of Paradise, Slightly South of Simple, and the forthcoming Feels Like Falling with a release date of 28 April. A Pi Beta Kappa Summa Cum Laude graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, you know, it pains me to say that, girl. School of <laughs> <laughs> Her writing has appeared in numerous online and print publications, including Southern Living, Traditional Home, USA Today, Domino, and the O. Henry Magazine. Christy is the winner of the Lucy Bramlett Patterson Award for Excellence in Creative Writing and a finalist for the Southern Book Prize. And her newest book is just up for the Okra Award. Good afternoon, Chris Christie. How are you? <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. This is great. Oh, I guess they're not, we're actually seeing each other on Zoom, but I guess everyone else is just hearing us, right? They're just hearing our voices because um, in the age of staying at home for 800 years, not everybody is even showering daily. So, so uh, well, hey, this was a big day for me. I have two Zooms today. So I was like, all right, I got to shower. I got to wash my hair. I'm going to put some makeup on if I remember how. I mean, it's, it's a big day. It's, it's a, a big, big day. day. But I'm so excited about the podcast. Congratulations and thank you for supporting authors. We are so appreciative. Oh, well, it is a, a good thing that comes out of a bad thing, right? Like we have been able to get some great authors, which we're really blessed and, and fortunate for. I am so sorry that everyone's book tours are being canceled, amended, rescheduled, whatever. But um. So I know you that has affected your fall, um, feels like falling. So give us a little, it's not out yet, so no spoilers, but give us a little update on what, what the book is about. Okay, well, I'm so excited. I can't wait for it to come out. And it's actually, um, it's sort of appropriate for right now because it, this is really a book about when your life is kind of falling apart, how you pick yourself back up. And, um, and these two women, Gray and Diana, they really help do that for each other. Um, but this is sort of an odd couple tale of friendship between these two women, Gray and Diana, who are from very different worlds. And they meet up in um, this very ordinary way. Gray goes to her local pharmacy to pick up her photos from Diana, who is the photo lab technician. And both of these women are having what is just a bad day. They're both having a horrible, horrible, horrible day coming off of kind of a bad few months, years, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, Gray could really use a little good karma and Diana could really use a good little good luck. And instead, 
Greg inadvertently gets Diana fired, which is not ideal, but it does sort of put these two women together in this really kind of uncomfortable and extraordinary situation where um, they both realize that they can kind of come together and help each other out of this mess. And I love the idea that these two women from these different places, they form a real friendship. This is not like, you know, um, this kind of surface thing or they help each other and that's it. Like they really become friends. And I think it's such a good story for right now because I think we're seeing that. We're seeing women from, you know, different places who, you know, don't look the same, don't talk the same, don't worship the same, don't believe the same things, but they're coming together in this kind of common bond and friendship. And so um, I'm excited it's coming out now. I think it's a good book for right now. And um, it's also, you know, there's a lot of humor in it. It's um, a light read. There's some good love stories in it. I think it's a good read for people who are like, okay, I just need, I need a minute. <laughs> I need to get away for just a minute. <laughs> for sure. You know, um, when I started it, I really thought it kind of gray was going to be the rescuer a little bit, you know, she's going to solve all Diana's problems and she was going and, and really it kind of comes from, there's not one rescuer. They take turns in this relationship, giving and taking, and it's really lovely. It's a lovely, lovely story about their friendship. And yeah. And I, I say like, they sort of help each other move into what I call happily ever after the sequel, because you know, they are both and, and, and they're, they're facing a lot of common situations. I mean, you know, uh, they both lost their mothers, albeit in very different ways. Um, they are both, you know, have just lost their partners, albeit again, in very different ways. Um, and, you know, they're struggling with different things. And I think one of the things that I love so much about Diana's character is that, I mean, she's in a bad place. Like when this book starts, she has a toothache. Her boyfriend has gambled away her money. She was going to use to fix it. She storms out of his house realizing she doesn't have anywhere to live. I mean, these are real, and then loses her job. So like, these are real problems, like not being able to eat or know where you're going to put your head at night. Um, and she has this great group of girlfriends, but she doesn't want to hear I told you so because they never liked it. <laughs> um, and Diana's problems are much more, um, you know, they're not quite as immediate. I mean, Grace's problems Grace are not quite as immediate. And, you know, she's going through this really bad divorce and she's in danger of losing this company that she's built since she was 20 and she's sharing custody of her son and her mother's just passed away. So she has a lot of things going on. But, you know, if you, if you look at it as an outsider, you're thinking, well, certainly Diana's problems are much worse than Grace, but Diana really kind of helps Grace sort of see that, yes, you can eat, but, but problems are problems and your problems are real problems, even though they aren't as bad as my problems. And I love that about her, um, her character. I love her character. I think she's the shining star of this novel. <laughs> yes. You know, at first, when I started reading, I thought, you know, I identified a lot more with Gray initially on the surface, yeah. but yeah. then I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I had to pick one, like Diana's more resilient and she's kind of tough and pick herself up and they both just have great characteristics. And I don't know, I, I vacillated. I, I think there's parts yeah, of both no, of them. And I mean, I, I hope that people will love both of them. And, and I agree with you. Like if I'm picking the one that I sort of identify with more, it would certainly be great. But writing Diana was just, it was so fun for me. And I just sort of fell in love with her character and her family and, 
know, her brother Philip has special needs and she's, she's trying to get him out of, you know, this home that he's been in for a long time. And, um, and I thought that added a lot of depth to her character too, because on this horrible day, when she loses all these things, she's not thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? She's thinking this is one more step away from being able to get Philip home with me. Right. Um, And so I love him too. Right. Yes. And, and I, I, I did love the little homage to the royal family. They all have royal names. <laughs> yes. yes. Diana's mother. Now, Diana abandoned her and her siblings when they were little, but she always told her that um, anyone named after royalty would grow up to be a princess. So she named all of, um, she named all of the siblings after royalty, which that was actually the first line that I wrote in this book was my mom always told me anyone named after royalty would grow up to be a princess. Oh, that's great. That was where it started. <laughs> yep. That is wonderful. Well, you have, so this book is coming out the 28th of April. Now, a lot of us cannot, even people who live right there, we cannot, I don't know if North Carolina has closed your beaches. South Carolina has closed our beaches. Yes. But let me tell you, this is the perfect book to read at home and pretend like you're sitting in the beach Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just let the kids do their computer for an extra hour. It's all going to be all right. No child Mm -hmm. will perish because they laid on their <laughs> iPad for an hour and just let yourself get immense immersed in the story. It's so lovely. I, you know, we're not taking spring breaks and a lot of people's summer plans are being altered. I don't think that you need to overlook this book because of that. You still get it in your house and you'll escape to the beach. It's such a lovely book. Thank you. You Thank are you. welcome. And I love Cape Carolina, which is the setting of it. And it's, you know, it's very beachy and, um, so hopefully people can kind of, they can sit in their living rooms and take a vacation to Cape Carolina. And, and it's very inexpensive to do so. So that's great. <laughs> it's just the cost of a book. How easy is that? Great. Don't even have to pack, which I hate. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, there are so many upsides. It's all a matter of how you look at this quarantine, right? Exactly. So tell us about a couple of your backlist books, your books that are a little bit older, because those are accessible now. People can get those now. Absolutely. Um, so my Peace Tree Fluff series um, is about three grown sisters and the mother that bonds them and this sort of big secret from their past um, that sort of threatens to reshape the way that they see each other and the way that they have always been as a family. And so Slightly South of Simple, The Secret to Southern Charm, and The Southern Side of Paradise are the three books in that series. I think that's going to be it, although especially now, you know, it's funny how when you're in kind of an extraordinary situation, I think people kind of crave um, going back to something that they know. And I've gotten so many emails from people saying, I'm rereading Peachtree Bluff. Can you please write another Peachtree Bluff book? Um, And I do have an idea for one, so maybe I will. I don't know. I'm... um, I'm not really slated to do so at this point, but, but I might, cause I do feel like there is something to that about coming back to that place. Um, and when I wrote Peachtree Bluff, I, I said, I don't care if people remember the story. I don't care if they remember the characters, but I want them to remember Peachtree Bluff, Georgia. Yes. Well, and it makes <laughs> and, you, how it makes you feel. It was such yeah. a comforting book and, and the characters were so great. I, I do miss them. I would be a supporter of one more of those books. I miss them too. I really do. And I mean, like I said, I do have an idea. Um, so we'll see, but, but the way that that story kind of unfolds is, um, Ansley, who is the mother of these three daughters is 
protagonist of all three books in the series. And then each sister, Caroline, Sloan, and Emerson, they each have sort of their turn to tell their side of the story um, in, in each of the three books. And so that was, that was really fun for me too, to get to really, really know these characters. And I understand now, you know, I never really got the whole series thing and an editor actually asked me to write one. Um, and so when I did, I was like, I, I totally get this now. Like there is really something nice about spending a lot of time with the same characters being in the same town and, um, watching this story develop and watching how these characters really grow and change. And, um, yeah, so we'll see, but, but I did love Peachtree Bluff and it has, you know, just continued. It's been like this really steady, um, this really steady thing. I mean, it, the first book came out in 2017 and it's still just, you know, continues to do really well. So there's still new people coming to the series every week and it's exciting to see. That is so great. That is so great. Okay. Um, and so then my first two books were both standalones. Dear Carolina um, was my debut and it was written from a birth mother and an adoptive mother to their daughter about the ways their lives change in the year after her birth. Um, and it was kind of appropriate because I was actually writing it like right after my son was born when I would be up in the middle of the night for feedings. <laughs> so there's a lot of real hormonal <laughs> truth in that book. Um, and then Lies and Other Acts of Love was my second novel. I have a real soft spot for that book because um, it, it shows a grandmother and a granddaughter and kind of the journey of their lives and how they're at similar crossroads and they end up taking different turns and how that ultimately sets them on their path. But part of the, not this, not the scandal part, but part of the like sweet love story part from the grandmother's point of view um, is based on my grandparents' real life love story. Oh, that's so sweet. And I don't think I knew that part. I love that. I love it too. So I always, it, it, it just has a special place for me for sure. Yeah. You know, I've been feeling, so I had the best grams and um, my, one of my aunts just let us know that they're home they, my both my grandparents have been gone for a long time but their home has been put up for sale like the home where all the kids grew up and then the grandkids and it's in a town where i will never live like and i'm like oh should i buy it like I, it, that's the most no way should i buy it like that's ridiculous but i'm like i'm so sad to see this house for sale and it was so loved and it has not been loved lately yeah i'm like we no, should i totally get that buy it but my family's like um we're not <laughs> Well, and I'm really lucky. My, my grandfather um, passed away just a few months ago, but my grandmother is still here. And I was talking to her um, maybe day before yesterday. And she's so cute. And she was just saying, she's like, you know, this has never happened in my whole life. I'm 93 years old and I have <laughs> never seen something like this, you know, quarantine. Um, but she was so funny because she always says, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And I needed her to say that to me, you know, <laughs> and she did. Um, and I think we've done a good job of like being positive of like, we're going to turn this into an opportunity, whatever it is. But, um, but to hear her say that to me. So I understand like those, um, you know, being connected to them, even through a house or through, you know, there are so many, and actually back to feels like falling, that's something that Gray is really struggling with. It's not a family home, but there's this home that she bought. Like she bought this house for herself and made it for herself. Right. Um, and she comes from, I mean, she's certainly not poor, but she, she has a, a humble 
background. She's not someone who necessarily was going to build this big company and be massively successful like she has been. So it meant so much to her to have this house and, you know, she's in, she's in danger of losing it. And, um, and I do think we have so many, you know, memories and attachments in our homes and, you know, this living where you live, but, um, we were out of our house for 15 months after hurricane Florence. It just destroyed our house. And when you get back to that, it is, there's something so depleting about going into this place that you love and that you created. And, um, we live in a 1903 house and we had spent two years redoing it. And for all that to kind of be gone and you just, you feel so sad about it. Um, and there's a lot, you know, I, I definitely think I put some of that into this book cause I was rewriting it when all of that was happening. Um, and you, you do feel that attachment to your home. Yeah. Sure. Well, and I think that's the difference between a house and a home, right? Like yeah. we, we buy these places and their houses, but then they become home right. every year when we pack up and evacuate um, for hurricane season. And it has been getting exponentially more evacuations yes. every yes. year. It feels like, um, you know, you only, you take the essentials, which can fit in your car, which are your children, your animals, your family, and then, yeah. you know, a bag or two of stuff. But every time I'm like, but I want to pick it all up and, <laughs> and, and you can't, but, but Gray worked really hard. No one gave her that. And I think that that, um, you know, we, we work hard for, they become not just things, right? It, it, she did love her home. It was a place of exactly. peace and tranquility and where her son was growing up. And th- that means more than just bricks yeah. and mortar. And I learned that because, you know, people would say to you like, well, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And it is until you lose all your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there were things like, you know, in the process of like trying to clean the house out, like my husband had, you know, all of his dad's fishing rods and they all had little like, you know, engraved plates on them from you know, every year they gave them to them and like someone stole them. I mean, I'm like, really? Like one of the only things that's not destroyed and someone steals them, you know? Um, and of no value to anyone else. Really. Exactly. And that's what he said. Like, he's like, they're not even, they're not worth anything they're anymore. They're 30 year old fishing rods. Like who would take these, you know, but they meant something to him because they were his father's and his dad's gone. So, um, you know, things like that, that you, but, but it is, and you know this because you know you do evacuate, but you look around and you think like, what do I really, like what would I really miss if it were gone? And it, it did make me think about that in a very different way. Like what, you know, what, what do you take with you when you leave? Um, and really I was like, well, I got my kid and my laptop and my husband. And- exactly, I, I, you know, but there might be a story in there somewhere, Christy, there might be an evacuation <laughs> series. <laughs> There definitely is. Well, I think it would be a good Peachtree Bluff story too. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, that that would be sort of resonant, especially for all of us that live on the coast. Right, right. And I, I do think that, you know, each year that the evacuations seem to get more and more. So one, one thing that I want everyone to follow your Instagram, it's Christy with a Y, W Harvey at, um, but you and your mama have the most beautiful design blog. And so part of rebuilding, although very difficult, part of rebuilding let you kind of rework your art again. And was that totally. fun? Was that yeah, a- it really did. Um, and weirdly enough, like, 
I put so much back the way it was. Like, it's so weird. Um, you know, there's so many things that I was like, oh, you know, we really do have an opportunity to, to do some different things, but I just sort of loved it the way it was. But we did, I mean, we did do some things a little bit differently. And, you know, not every, there were a lot of things that were okay. Weirdly, all of our light fixtures, which are some of my favorite pieces of this house, they were all fine, which is so weird because, you know, everything, there was water, water. Every, <laughs> coming through, and it was coming through the ceilings. Um, but all the light fixtures were able to be saved. Uh, well, downstairs anyway, maybe not upstairs. But um, so things like that were the same. But yeah, I went through these sort of cycles because there was part of the time that I just was like, I can't deal with this. Like, I just can't right. do this. Right. Um, and so mom did a lot of it, to be honest. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that's kind of our thing. Like we do it together and we don't decorate a lot these days because the block is... Like a, it's a business and it takes a lot of our time. Um, and of course, writing books takes a lot of my time and being a mother. Being a mom and a wife. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, all those things, but, um, but we do, we love to do that together and it's really fun to kind of be able to collaborate on something like that. And we joke about it a lot because I sort of like push her out of her comfort zone and she kind of reins me in a little bit. So, <laughs> but you know, one of the um, things, it, things are hard right now and people are having a hard time even focusing on reading, but your, your right. pictures of beautiful homes are always just a breath of fresh air. I always love looking at them. So it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And we tried, we were like, how do we, you know, how do you handle this? What do you do? Like, what's the right thing? It's so hard because it's really uncharted territory. And we were like, you know what? We're going to acknowledge it. Obviously it's happening. It's real, but we're just going to, we're going to keep doing what we do. And I've gotten a lot of emails from people saying like, thank you. Like I really need that like moment of normalcy in the morning. And, and I get that. I mean, even like I was just doing my, um, my workout studio here has done like all these, you know, videos and online classes. And it's so nice to just have that like little spot of normalcy in your day. Like, Oh, Anna, who teaches me bar is still teaching me bar in my living room, but <laughs> it's still her. You know? exactly. <laughs> um, I do think there's something to that and like giving people that spot in normalcy. Um, and you know, for me, I have edits due April 7th. They were always due April 7th. They'll continue to be due April 7th. Um, <laughs> so I think that's been kind of good because my work has not really changed. I mean, it has of course been a little bit different homeschooling because that is not a part of my normal life. I wow all the props like to the moms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I homeschooled the girls for three years, kind of in the middle. They, they're back in school now. And well, they were back in regular school. But well, now they're back yeah, home again. And you know, my youngest are at their high school. So they're pretty self-sufficient and, and it's easy now. But I'm like, you know, this, it really prepared us for being at home together. And what we did used to do was be able to leave our home. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we did take field trips and do other things. Now we are just the field trip is we opened the pool last weekend. So the kids are swimming and um it got a little cold again. So but you know, luckily they're young it enough. They don't recognize water temperature. They're like, Oh yeah, we're fine. So they, they still swim. It's so and, weird. I know it's it was like really cold here yesterday and um we're still able, our waterways are still open, thank goodness. Um, so we're still able to go out on the boat. Now I know some places have closed their waterways. Ours so have that closed. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, but it was freezing cold. And he was like, I want to go out on the boat. And I think at some point my husband was probably like, you know what? Me too. Like, I don't care. It's freezing. We'll put on coats and hats. Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was telling the girls like in the, in the big, the, the last huge quarantine we had was 1918, right? With the Spanish flu. And, and I was reading these yeah. some articles about how sunshine and fresh air really did help people recuperate and recover quickly, more quickly. And so I'm like, everybody outside at 20 minutes a day, you have to be outside. Yeah. And they're like, are you serious? Yep. And no one in my we home. We have never walked. Exactly. We've never walked so much. You know, the dogs are like, are you serious again? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's kind of nice because I mean, we have, we've been very serious about this. Like I, it is not like go play with kids in the neighborhood. Like I, I, we've been very serious. Um, and because I'm like, I want this to be over. So like, let's all stay home. So this can be over and we can go back to our lives. But um, in Beaufort where we live, everybody sort of lives downtown. And so when you walk in the afternoons, everyone's either walking or they're out on their porches. And it's such a nice, um, way to just kind of keep in connection with people because obviously they're way up on their porch and you're down on the sidewalk. So you're 20 you're feet apart, but you can chit chat a little bit, you know, um, and just kind of keep in contact with people. It really is good for your like mental health, I feel like. And we're, you know, we're so grateful to have sunshine and fresh air and to not be the people who are sick. I mean, you know, obviously, of course. Um, and I'm just trying to make the best of it. And, you know, we've joked about homeschooling. Will is doing a really good job. He has been very self-sufficient and um, I'm very proud of him. And it's, you know, I think we'll look back on this and be like, how great was that, that we got to spend this time together, you know, when he was eight years old and when our schedules are so crazy because I'm traveling all the time and, um, you know, he's got sports and activities and scouts like every night and so for us to just have these few weeks of like we're like really home together and it's we've kind of enjoyed it yeah. in a weird We've been way. eating a meal together right every dinner nobody's coming in two hours later because the practice went or whatever like we're just having a meal at the same time and it is I think we will look back I mean I feel horrible as I know you do for all the people who are really ill and losing loved ones and it, it's awful but but there is something I think we all need to take away and move forward. I think people are reading more. I think yeah. people are enjoying time together with family. You know, I was um, sharing my Lily Grace finished in seven days. She read five books and the fifth one was 900 pages. Like she's a machine. She's like, mama, this is the time I was made for. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. this is my season. She was so happy. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. Well, I'm um, kind of a germaphobe. Like, like when people were like, oh my gosh, we have to get Purell. I'm like, everyone doesn't have like a Purell cabinet. What do you I know, we, do, we are stocked here too. <laughs> and so people were like, you know, talking about, you know, all the new measures and protocols. And I was talking to one of my friends and she was like, you've been training for this your whole life. Like, this is your moment right here because you were already the freak that like wiped your plane seat down with the Clorox wipe before you got in it. So, <laughs> absolutely. I'm obviously not going on in an airplane now, please, clearly. But this was, you know, several weeks ago when we were still yeah. in that. You know, and like the remote controls in the hotel room, I always wiped those with the Clorox wipe because they just, oh. Oh. And I don't touch yeah. the phones. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And the girls are like, I'm like, see, aren't you glad mama was like that now because you are all well. My youngest was a preemie, a micro preemie. And so I, I don't know that I was like that as badly before she was born, but 
I do think of all the mamas now with little babies. I'm like, oh, everyone just stay home and, and be well and read some good books. I know, read some good books. That's really the main takeaway, I think, from this whole thing. And book sales are way up. I mean, so it's amazing. Like, people are reading books, and I love it. I think it's so great. I mean, I'm always reading books anyway, so. I know. So uh, what are you reading right now? So I just finished um, Untamed, the new Glennon Doyle. Okay. It was really good. And I'm reading a lovely one. Under Magnolia, a Southern Memoir. Frances Mays, who wrote Under the Tuscan Sun. Yes, yes. She has a new biography or um, memoir, and she is a Southerner. She's from Mississippi, Oxford, Mississippi, and she's like retracing Faulkner's steps. And it is lovely. It's a lovely book. I did not know that. I know really I didn't either. Um, and she writes. She does memoir well. You know, she writes her own story so well. But this one is really rich. I've been loving it. Um, and I've been reading a ton of advanced reader copies because we have so many great author interviews coming. <laughs> Yay! I know. Well, and that's, people are like, what are you reading? And I'm like, mm, this, this, and this, but they don't come out for six months. I'm not very helpful because I feel like I'm always in that, but it makes me so excited. I mean, like you would think every time I get a book in the mail, I'm like, ah, I'm so excited. And you know, it just never gets old. It never gets, I know my kids are like, seriously, you, I'm like, no, I care every time. I get, that's that's my husband is like, really? Like, come on. It's, you, get, you get a book every day. I'm like, I know, but it's just, it's so good. <laughs> so I heard you say you were, some edits were due on the 7th of June. So are you, is there another book in the, on the horizon yes. too? Yes. So Under the Southern Sky, um, I'm oh, like 99 Okay, good. I'm so glad. It was so funny because I was only like maybe two or three chapters into this book. And I mean, that had nothing to do with it. It was actually, it was at spin class, you know, of all the important things. And it just popped into my head. And I was like, under the Southern sky, that's going to be the title of this book. And I called my editor and I was like, what do you think? And she was like, you know what? I actually really like that. Um, I'm not great at titles. So this is a big deal for me. Oh, good. Well, it's out of the way. It's a great title and you've already got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, but I am so excited about this book. I've actually been thinking about it for, I mean, years, like five years probably. Um, and it's a little bit, I mean, it's not a departure for me. I think people who, it has all the elements of all my other books that people really enjoy, but um, it's my first male protagonist. Now I have three female protagonists also. Um, so, you know, if you're, not sure about that, but, um, <laughs> but it's about a man whose wife passes away and before she dies, they have frozen embryos. And so he, um, gets to this point where he has to make a decision about what he's going to do with the embryos. So you're hearing from him. And then also, um, you're hearing from his wife through her journal entries that she's left behind. Oh, I love that. And um, then you're hearing from his childhood friend, Amelia, who is actually the one, she's an investigative reporter, and she accidentally finds out that his embryos are about to be destroyed, which kind of puts her in the middle of this situation. So, um, and then also her mother is one of um, the protagonists. So it's, um, I'm so excited about it. I love it. Like, you're, you know, it's, I think I'm always excited when I'm finishing something up and it's, you know, it's getting ready to be out there, but, um, now I just thought about it for so Like April-ish 2021, or do you yes, have a 2021? They have said April-ish, um, 
it's it's moving along really quickly. There were like cover conferences last week and um, all that sort of already happening, which is crazy because it feels like falling isn't even out yet. Right. <laughs> Everyone's like, all right, well, let's keep going. We have time on our hands. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm very excited about that. And um, as soon as I turn in the edits on the 7th, I'm going to start working on my next book, which um, is my first historical, which is exciting. Oh, that's so it has contemporary storylines also, but um, so it but will it be does. a dual, dual timeline. It will be a dual timeline, um, and there's I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet, but there's sort of this strand that runs through that connects these two historical figures and these two contemporary figures. So, oh, so exciting, <laughs> girl! You're a machine. You just keep turning them out. <laughs> I know. I was like, what, what am I going to write after that? Like, <laughs> I, need to, I always need to have my next idea like coming, but I have a few that I've been sort of toying with. So it's always, it's kind of exciting to like, you know, have that, you know, that idea coming. Um, and, and writing historical is going to be really different. So I'm excited for the challenge. And yeah, um, but again, you know, it's something a little different, but it's also something that I think my readers will really, really relate to. Um, and, and in some ways it's kind of just a multi-generational story. It's just some of the generations are not here anymore, but it is based on real, you know, real historical figures, which is kind of exciting. Oh, I can't wait for that one too. Does the same person um, do your cover art? They're cohesive and your books are so happy. The covers are so great. I love the covers so much. Yes, yeah, so um, I think mostly the same person does them, but it was funny because for Feels Like Falling, usually they send me a bunch of choices. Mm -hmm. um, like for the Southern Side of Paradise, oh my gosh, they sent me like 15 covers and they were all just gorgeous, right. which doesn't normally happen. Like usually I'm really drawn to something and there's some that I'm kind of like, eh. Um, but there were so many and they were just, they were incredible. And then for Feels Like Falling, you know, my editor would say, well, you know, we've, we've gotten a couple, but I just, I don't like them or they're not right. Or she didn't even send them to me. And then she just sent me this one cover and I was like, that is it. I mean, that is the perfect cover for feels like falling. <laughs> Someone said to me recently, like, she looks like she's a little lonely. And I'm like, well, she is. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> Read the book. You'll understand. <laughs> like that's, of course she is. But I do like that because I think it's kind of an evocative cover. I mean, she's in paradise and you can see it as kind of relaxing and beautiful or you can kind of feel that she's a little bit, you know, contemplative in that moment. So they do a really, really good job on covers. Yeah, they are. They're all beautiful. This really is one of my favorites. Yay. Yay, yay. Well, we, do, we usually end with a little bit of rapid fire questions. Are you up for that? I'm up for it. All right, girl. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite word? Oh, um, gosh. <laughs> my favorite word. Um, my son's in here and he said, Christy. <laughs> that is not my favorite word. That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> How about, you know what, I love the word literati. I think that is such a good word, and I don't think I've ever said it or used it, but it's, I read it, and I think, what a good word that is. So we'll yeah, go with that. Have you been to Literati? There's an independent bookstore in Ann Arbor, Michigan, at the University of Michigan called Literati. It's a fabulous bookstore. No, but now I gotta go. Put it on your list. We can go together. 
Okay, I love it. Let's we'll go it. when when we can leave our homes. Yeah, <laughs> we will not road trip across. <laughs> oh, not to Ann Arbor. <laughs> no, we will not. And two Southern girls have no business going to Michigan anytime after September either. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Who is we your favorite fictional hero or heroine? Francie Nolan and a tree grows in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yes, love. What are you reading now? Is there anything you're reading now that you can share that doesn't come out in November? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm reading, uh, I just finished Big Lies in a Small Town by Diane Chamberlain, which just came out like maybe a week or two ago. It was fabulous. It's like the right amount. I'm not good at super dark, scary, horrifying thrillers. I mean, I like, I like them, but I have to read them like in the day on the beach right. or something. So I'm not like having nightmares. And it was like the perfect blend of like that little creepy mystery, but not so horrifying that you can't sleep. And it was just, it was a great story and she just ties everything up so beautifully. Um, I also just finished Louisiana Lucky, which is coming out soon, like August. It's not too okay. far. It's so cute. Um, okay. uh, Julie Pinnell. Um, but it's so cute. It's like such a good story and just wonderful. She's a great writer and it's just fun. And it was like the perfect thing to read right now. And I'm just starting Codename Helene by, um, Ariel Lawhorn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Are, when you're reading, not writing, when you're reading, are you a completist or a DNFer? So at all costs, do you finish a book or do you put it on the shelf and say, just didn't finish that one? You know what? I, I used to be a completer at all costs. I'm kind of a DNFer now just because there's so many books. There's so much time. And, and I don't think of it like, it's not like, oh, that was a bad book. It's just sometimes like that wasn't what I needed to be reading right this minute. Um, so it's usually not even like, and a lot of times I'll go back to it and be like, oh yeah, I, I'm kind of ready for that now. And sometimes it's just where I am in life. It's like I start something and I'm halfway through and then I get like seven blurb requests that day. And I'm like, okay, I got to put this aside and then read a million other things. But before that would have driven me off a ledge. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would have had to have finished before I could do, before I could read the other books. I'm the same. I think with age comes a little bit more like permission, right? Like right, I'm exactly. Like, I just don't have time. If I only wanted to complete all the books in my home presently, nothing else could come in. I still don't know that I could do it in my lifetime. And, and I hope I have a lot of years left. So I'm like, if it's not speaking to me at that moment, it's okay to put right. it up. I do usually come back and it had nothing to do with the book. It had everything to do with right. A hundred percent. And so sometimes when I see reviews of things and I'm like, especially when it's a book that I just loved and a person just like decimates it. I'm like, just don't think they were the place to read that right now. <laughs> right, right. And I would like to send a PSA out to all people. If you haven't finished the book, don't rank it and review it. Like you have to, the author, there's an arc to stories. And so you need to get the whole yeah. arc before you can formulate your opinion, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I totally agree. Okay, this is your last one. Okay. What is the best money you've ever spent as a writer for your writing career? Okay. That's actually such a good question. Um, the best money, and this is sort of a technicality because I didn't spend it. My parents did because they gave it to me for Christmas because <laughs> um, I asked for it, but that was kind of a big deal because you know, it was like taking your Christmas present. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually asked them, this was six or seven years ago um, for Christmas. They bought me um, two conferences. One was called... Um, was it called? They don't have it anymore. It was in Charleston. And so it was accessible to me. I didn't have to fly. I had a 
tiny child. So I didn't feel like I could like go anywhere that far away. Um, it does not exist anymore, but it was such a good conference. It was actually where I met Ann Garvin for the first time who started the Tall Poppy Writers. And now I'm a Tall Poppy Writer. Um, but it was, it was my first writing conference. It was just amazing. And then I also went to a conference called Making Things Happen, which was in Chapel Hill. And it was really just about kind of like finding your purpose. And in fact, I have this sitting right here. Like this is my goal planner, my Making Things Happen goal planner. Um, and I've done them every single month since and it has like completely changed my life. So, um, and that wasn't necessarily writing related, but it was during that time when I was like, I've got to kind of like make this happen or get off the cliff sort of thing. Um, so. Well, and I think prioritizing your time and figuring out time is a huge part of your writing life because it's huge, it's huge. And just figuring out, you know, and I think it's hard to come to terms with too, like as a writer, I mean, I had a job in finance and it was a good job. I mean, it was, you know, um, and it's like trying to figure out, especially like as a type A person, like I am, okay, I'm spending, I'm wasting all this time because this might not ever happen. And so it was kind of like figuring out, you know, is this worth it or is it, is it not? Um, and, and when do I quit? And when, you know, kind of setting parameters for all of those things. So um, yeah, definitely the best money I ever spent. And I should go to more writing conferences now, like as I'm sitting here saying that, but it was just, it was great. I actually met Jeff Bezos. This is going to make you laugh. Really? I had no idea who he was. Like no idea who he was. Like we were just chatting. is very nice. Um, and this agent who I kind of knew, and I had an agent at that point. So I was like around and he came up to me and he was like, so you know who that was? And I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, it's Amazon. Really? Like, oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, interesting yeah but I do still think that was so funny and that was um it was a long time ago though it was probably 2013 2014 so yeah wow <laughs> wow that's crazy that's crazy you never know who is out there in the world you never know well, Miss Christie, thank you so much for your time. And we are so excited. I have read your book, but I know everyone will love it. I can't wait for feels like falling to hit the shelves the end of April. Thank you. I can't wait either. And I've been saying, you know, I always say it, but I'm saying it now more than ever. Um, if you're able to, and your indie bookstore is open, like support them. They're having such a hard time right now with all of this as so many people are, but um, it's a really little thing that can make a really huge difference in our community. So support your indie. And most of them are taking advanced orders over phone. So since Christmas book isn't out yet, even you can pre-orders still matter a lot. So you can call your indie bookstores. Some of them have abbreviated hours, but there somebody's usually there answering the phones. So yep. pre-order. I was doing a little giveaway, and I uh, I called Foxtail yesterday and like ordered something. You know, there a lot of them are open, so yep. and they will ship to you. They will ship. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and best wishes on your new release. Thanks, Diane. So excited for the new podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Christy. Right. Bye, Bye. This has been another episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. Bookish Besties is a production of Tidal Wave Books, LLC, and is hosted by Diane Barnett and Mary Meist, produced by Lily Barnett. Find us on Instagram at Bookish Besties Podcast. Thank you for joining us in talking about all things bookish. We will see you next time.